What's up, everybody? I'm Danielle. And I'm Rob. Welcome to Streamiverse, a 10-minute podcast rooted entirely in spite. We used to be a podcast about Quibi, but they sent us a cease and desist. So now we talk about everything that streams. Quibi's not the only game in town, honey. We're all stuck at home for the foreseeable future, so let's watch some trash together. Here's what's going on today in the Streamiverse. Good morning, Stream Millionaires. We are back with another exciting week of happenings in the Streamiverse. That is, I mean, I mean, we've had a lot going on behind the scenes, Danielle. Stuff uh. that we can't talk about yet, but there's also been stuff that's been happening in the public sphere. Exactly, and that... that's more exciting for people, I think, because they've gone through it and read it too. So let's jump into that. Yes, that set us off. And what 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 exactly happened last week was... As you all know, two weeks ago, we had an interview with Jeffrey Katzenberg on our podcast. An exclusive. Where we grilled the hell out of these people from Quibi. We politely asked questions. Politely asked questions, (laughs) very pressing questions that, uh, you know, were not the easiest questions to answer. And we respect them for answering and, and and going through the interview the way that they did. But the next week... The New York Times came out with an article, and the article was titled, Jeffrey Katzenberg Blames Pandemic for Quibi's Rough Start. And what did we learn in our article an entire week before the New York Times, Danielle? We knew that his biggest mistake, was his most expensive mistake, was launching during a pandemic. We got that answer out first. We got it first. We got we all of this information first. We scooped the New York Times. And I have to wonder, did someone from the New York Times listen to our podcast and think, you know what? I'm going to give Katzenberg a call. See if I can write a little piece about it. I think that the New York Times listened to our podcast. They realized Trash and Quibi is hot right now. <laughs> they copied and pasted our interview questions. And they went in on Katzenberg, pissed him off, and then just reposted the article. Those are my thoughts. I know. Rob's really holding a grunge, a grudge against the... A grunge. (laughs) Combination of a grudge and lunch. A grunge. Against the, the cursed New York Times. Cursed. And listen, I don't want to go down this path because I love the press. I support the free press. Um, I don't want to pick a fight. I I support the New York Times, so I don't really want to pick a fight with them. But I am just saying if Dean Beckett, the executive editor of the New York Times, wants to pull a Katzenberg and come onto our podcast to apologize to us, the door is open. Door is open. Because we were there. We would gladly accept. We were there and we've been there, honey. If you want to write about the New York Times, join all the other reporters who just started sliding into our DMs and emailing us and get the nation's leading quibby voices, Rob and me, on record. Because exactly. let me tell you, we'll do it. <laughs> we will do I, it. I think the one thing that we've proven through these past months is that you can't talk about Quibi without talking about Streamiverse. It's so true. They are synonymous. Mm. We are cemented in Quibi history, and there's no way of ignoring us. So if you're going to do a piece on the on Quibi, you better be getting in touch with us first. <laughs> we are such an important part of their history. And if you, yeah, if you leave us out, it's like if you were writing an article about Firefest and you left out Jarul. You just, yeah. you're not going to do it. You're leaving you're out a very entertaining it. part of the story. Exactly. 
I too was hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray. Let us trash the quib. <laughs> so they didn't get us on record. There was a lot of interesting parts in the New York Times piece uh, that we need to discuss. This this piece went viral. Everyone was talking about it. Suddenly the quibby discourse was lit and it's been lying dormant for quite a while. So he talks about how at one point he says that they're disappointed with the numbers, which we figured even though mm-hmm. Meg Whitman was all over whatever Morning Joe or whatever saying like, yeah. we couldn't be happier. This is an unprecedented success. Yeah. Katzenberg is like, all right, let's be real. The numbers suck. They're not good. He trashes yep. Daily Essentials. Honestly, he says what you said, which is like Daily Essential, not that essential. <laughs> exactly. And look, uh, one more one more thing I want to touch on with the numbers is, look, we received information before anyone else about the numbers on Quibi, their projections, right? Yes. The estimates that they had for their own numbers, right? They wanted how many? Seven million users by the end of the year? Y- we reported those numbers first. Yeah. The, we also- Did you just say 700? Seven million. Okay. <laughs> seven million users. Seven seven million subscribers. Paying yeah, subscribers. Yes. We knew those numbers before the New York Times. We also predicted that the, that those numbers would be re- revised mm. and lowered. The yes. estimates would be lowered by Quibi. Their in- internal projections were going to be lowered. We already predicted that. What did the New York Times get in their info and their interview? The, that their 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 estimates were being lowered. Totally. And um, I love the part. The reason I said hundreds is because (laughs) in the piece, Jeffrey has a little slip up where he's like, you know, we're seeing the users use the platform. We're seeing hundreds of people say that they they aren't happy. And it's like, okay, let's go through the numbers. Three million downloaded like 1.5 or something actually signed up, registered. Mm-hmm. And now only hundreds are watching the content. Hundreds? Hundreds? What's going on there? That's If that's true and that wasn't just him like throwing out a number, that is very upsetting. That actually made me very sad. <laughs> I mean... That is so sad. When you have the opportunity to exaggerate, why say hundreds? Exactly. The exact quote is, but now that there are hundreds of people on there using it, you go, uh-oh, we didn't what see that. What is that? I know. <laughs> I know. So there's that part was very interesting. And then, as you said, we talked, we held their feet to the fire about sharing in this New York Times app, in this New York, New York Times piece, they say, oh, now we're going to try to get content to be more shareable. We're working on casting. Like, pretty much all the stuff that we brought up to them, they comment on and say they're doing a little turn on. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, go ahead, Daniel. The very end, uh, the writer of the New York Times piece is like, how come TikTok is doing so well? (laughs) Even though everyone's staying at home. And Katzenberg actually gets mad. Like, I'm kind of annoyed that the New York Times managed to get the reaction out of... Jeffrey Katzenberg that we were hoping to get not that we wanted him to be mad at us but we wanted to get a little juice and he yeah. actually spilled it all over the New York Times where he's like that's like comparing apples to submarines I don't know what people are expecting from us what did Netflix look like 30 days after it launched 
to tell me about a company that has a billion users and is doing great in the past six weeks. I'm happy for them. But what the hell does it have to do with me? Yeah. And you know what? Part of part of him is right and part of him is wrong there. The the part where he's comparing where he's saying, Why are you comparing me to a company that's already ten years or five years into their lifespan? That's the right part to compare. That's saying, you know, that is not that's not that's not apples to apples. That's completely different. Um sure. that's completely different numbers. But to com- but but based on how Quibi have sold themselves over the t- over time, where Katzenberg is saying, "Oh, we're not like Netflix. We're not like Hulu. We're not like Amazon. We're more like Instagram and TikTok and such and such." And then when someone actually brings up TikTok and compares him to TikTok, then he wants to get away from that comparison. I mean, dude, you got to figure out what your actual brand is. You have to like. Now you're just running away from your own statements. Well, I mean, everyone knows that Jay Katz is this Hollywood legend and a leader and all of that. But even the headline of the piece, like, I blame everything that's wrong on coronavirus. It's like, you have to take some responsibility. You got to, I mean, look, he did a good job. He did a good job owning his mistakes on our podcast. He apologized for the cease and desist. He apologized for the wrongdoings of against us Quibi, personally. Yeah. Against us personally, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, is lower stakes than saying, oh my God, we're not as good as TikTok. Right. But but when it comes to, you know, how your company has done, especially when and we just had an interview about this, this pandemic has put people in a situation where they have nothing but time. Would there be would there ever be a better situation to get people to try something radically different and new than in the middle of a pandemic when they're sitting in their homes just waiting, begging for something interesting to pop up on their phones for them to look at? I mean, oh, shoot, we ran out of time. But don't worry, we'll be back every weekday for the rest of your lives. To see how this conversation ends, tune in next time on Streamyverse. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share with your favorite stream millionaires. See you in the streamy.